name. And everyone said, amen. amen, amen. You may be seated. If you have your Bibles, you can open it up to uh, a lot of different places this morning. Not exactly sure where. Normally, uh, as you guys know, we're, we're uh, studying through, we just finished through the Gospel of Mark. And so before we start into our next study, First John is going to be our next uh, book study. We're going to take a couple weeks as we normally do in between book studies and do something topical. When I was uh, kind of pre- praying and, and preparing this week and kind of just asking the Lord, what, 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 what is it, God, that, that you want me to bring on Sunday? Or what is there some special message that... Um, is important and and I was listening to the radio and there was a message on about heaven and and sometimes the Lord just works very uh, naturally supernaturally and so that was kind of the the way the Holy Spirit just just had put on my heart to talk today about heaven and so that's what we're going to do you guys might have heard the message anybody hear the message on CSN this week from James Mack on heaven no well good you're going to hear it this morning then some of you got it um so there there is um a theme throughout heaven or throughout the Bible about heaven. You know, one of, one of my pastor mentors used to say, you know, in, in trying to decide what you're going to speak on and, and what you're going to teach and, and talk about as you go through the word, as you prepare, is he said, play the numbers game. I say, what does that mean? The numbers game. And he said, well, whatever the, the Bible talks about the most, what, what does the Bible have a lot to say about? What do multiple different authors in the scriptures talk about? And I want to tell you, one of the themes that you're going to see and you'll get all the way through the scriptures is this idea of heaven, 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 heaven. Heaven is a wonderful place. I don't even know how it goes. Filled with glory and grace. What's the rest? I want to see my Savior there. Sometimes we feel like maybe that's all we know about heaven was this little nursery rhyme that we learned in Sunday school. So I want to talk today about heaven with this in mind. The, the, the message, the title of the message today is Hearts on Heaven. And, and to have our hearts in, on heaven. And to be eternally minded as we go through this life. I know that it's difficult sometimes. We live our lives Monday through Friday through Saturday. We go through our lives and we have bills to pay and work to do and kids to take care of and responsibilities and chores and all these things that, you know, life is very consuming here. But one of the things as we play the numbers game through the Bible that's consistent, and I'm going to take you to a bunch of them today, is is this idea that we want to be eternally minded. We want to have our head in the clouds, so to speak. We want to be focused on heaven. And remember, heaven is is a goal. And heaven is is a destination that we're going to reach one day as we go through it. So I want everybody, because I'm going to be in a lot of different places today, and I'm going to mention some scriptures about heaven all the way through the Bible, I want you to take notes today. So I don't know how many of you guys are in the habit of taking notes, but get out your pencils and your paper and write down the scriptures and, and just fake it if you don't want to do it. Just pretend, make me feel good and just write or just do this on your phone, not actually touch the buttons. Just pretend like you're taking notes on your phone. I'll know that you're not texting. And so you can just, just take some pictures on there. Hey, so let's start in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 this morning as we talk about heaven. You guys know this concept of NOTW, right? Not of this world. How many of you guys got an NOTW bumper sticker on the back of your car? We got one, we got two, you know, some of you guys got it tattooed. I've seen people tattoo it on their arms and, you know, we wear t-shirts and hats and NOTW was a big craze. And for good reason, it was, it was really cool. The concept of not of this world. And it comes right out of John chapter 16, 17, where Jesus is teaching and Jesus says, we are not of this world. We live in this world, our feet are in this world, but we, we ourselves are not of this world. That our home is in heaven and that this place that we live now is just temporary. And then as you go through the Bible, you find this same thing repeated. You know, if you ever want to make a really good biblical point to somebody, then, then you know, baptism, for example. You know, when I got here to Utah, I moved here from California, as you guys know, there was some, um, there was some confusing concepts and ideas about baptism. And, and I had to battle a little bit with what does the Bible teach about baptism and, and, and how do I teach it right out of the Bible so that it's clear and easy to understand. And so the concept is, we, we first started, what did Jesus say about baptism? And then, and then let's look at what Paul says about baptism in commenting on, on baptism. And then maybe let's check one of the other 12 disciples and Peter. Does Peter have something to say in his epistles about baptism? And then finally we have John. And what does John say in his writings in the New Testament about baptism? 
And then you take it from the perspective of Jesus and the, and the three other writers, and you put together this theology based on all these ideas that come together. And if you do that, it's pretty hard to argue with it, right? It's pretty hard to get off in left field or take one verse out of context and make baptism into something that it's not. Well, this same idea is true of this NOTW that Jesus taught. And I'm going to take you to places today in the scripture where Jesus teaches that that we should be eternally minded, that we should be focused on heaven as a destination. And, and, And then I'll take you to places where Paul talks about it and Peter talks about it. And finally, where John talks about it. And you'll see this numbers game repeated throughout the Bible. Go into your search engine or your Google search or your um, Bible concordance and just look up the the theme of heaven or or eternity or those kind of things. And you'll find all the way through the New Testament that that heaven is talked about quite a bit. Amen? How many of you guys want to go to heaven? Kind of a rhetorical question, right? How many of you guys want to go to hell? You know, um, nobody, right? But yet Jesus said broad is the road that leads to destruction and narrow is the road that leads to salvation. And and we live in a world, the reality is there's so many misconceptions about heaven. Have you guys ever heard any? That was one of the things that James Mack did in his heaven study. He said we we took a survey of uh, 100 people and the top five answers are on the board. And, and so maybe you guys have heard some of these things. And where, where do you talk about heaven probably the most in your life? It would be at a funeral, right? You're at a funeral and, you know, it comes up. That's probably not the place to fix somebody's theology on heaven. You know, I'm sorry your grandma died, but she, she didn't get wings and she's not a cherub. And, you know, it's not the time to fix somebody's theology on heaven. But I think for us as Christians, we should take it and know what the Word of God says. So here's, here's a few of the top misconceptions about heaven. Number one, have you guys ever heard that when you see a shooting star, that that's an angel getting its wings? Anybody ever heard that? I hate to break it to you today, if that's, but that's not an angel getting its wings. I'm pretty sure all the angels already have their wings. And uh, I'm pretty sure the reality is they don't need wings, but it kind of looks cool for us that they can fly and enter in and out of dimensions. And when we see them here on the earth, they don't have wings. How about this one? This is one that's probably the most common, is that when you get to heaven, who's standing there at the pearly gates waiting for you? St. Peter. And he's got some dumb joke to tell you, right? Or he's got some question to ask you, and hopefully you get the answer right so you can get into heaven. He's going to be like, what? what's the square root of 91? And if you don't know it, like have it on hand, like you're not getting in, and that's the test that, that Peter's going to ask you some question, you better have the answer. You know, or I like the jokes better, but... I guess I should just tell one because we're on the subject. But um, so this preacher and bus driver get to heaven and they're met at the pearly gates by St. Peter. And and as you guys know, Jesus said there's mansions there. And so St. Peter says, welcome, you know, into the rest of the Lord. And he welcomes them both into heaven. And and he says that he's going to take them to their mansions. And so first he's taking the bus driver and they're, they're like on Rodeo Drive. The houses are huge. They're getting bigger and bigger. And he's leading the, the, the bus driver to his house. And they finally get to this most palatial mansion you've ever seen in your life. Looks like Disneyland. And it's just one mansion. And he says to the bus driver, this is your, your mansion. And, and, and the preacher just starts getting real excited at this point. He's like, wow, if the bus driver got a mansion like that, I can't wait to see mine. And so they, they, Peter says, follow me, I'll take you to your place. And he's leaving and the neighborhoods are getting worse and worse. And he's going down the wrong street. And the preacher's looking around like, what is going on? And finally, they pull up to this like shack that's just kind of got a bunch of lean-to boards on it and an outhouse kind of next to it. And it is messed up. And, the, and Peter says, well, that's your house. And the preacher's like, well, wait a minute. He said, the bus driver got a mansion, and how come I get this? I, you know, and he, Peter said, well, he said, when the, bus, when, when, when the bus driver drove, people prayed. And when you preached, people slept. So I, 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 I'm, I'm battling myself not going on and telling more Peter at the, at the pearly gates jokes. But we, for time's sake, we don't... We don't have time to tell any more Peter jokes, but I want to tell you that um, in Revelation 21 and 22, we're going to get a description of all 12 gates in heaven, and Peter's not standing at any of them. Peter has nothing to do with the gates or standing there. I don't know where that, that came from. Probably, I don't know where it originated. The other thing is, um, this one's kind of terrible, but that 
when a child dies, you'll hear people say, well, I guess God needed another angel. That's terrible theology. God didn't need another angel. He's got plenty of angels, and God's not like that, right? What is God in heaven? Hey, we're short a couple angels. Will somebody go down and run Billy over with a bus? <laughs> we, we need an angel. It's terrible, right? Like God, God does is not short on angels, and when a child dies, it's 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 not because God needed another angel. And and just parenthetically, we don't become angels when we die. That's that's not the reality. We have our own class. We're the bride of Christ. If you're a New Testament believer, and um, and, and we don't get wings or become angels, we'll have a glorified body, and, and and we'll have a likeness to an angel, but we won't be angels. There's no crossover. Let's do one more. And, and, and this one, I probably the most popular you find on any street corner and anywhere. And people will say, in order to get into heaven, you must be a, a what? A good person. And, and that is a misconception about heaven. I want to tell you something about heaven. Is heaven is going to be filled with bad persons or bad people. And, and hell is going to be full of good people. Because being a good person or a bad person has nothing to do with salvation. Not, not as far as the roadmap that Jesus laid out for us and the Word of God lays out. And we think of the thief on the cross. He was a bad person. He's going to be in heaven. And, and many well-meaning people are, are going to be in hell if their, their, their factor was good or bad. And there's no scale. There's only one thing when you get to heaven that's going to either you're going to get in or you're not. And that is when God looks at you, is he going to see his son or is your sins going to remain? And that's the only factor. Because if God looks at you and and you've received Jesus in your life and the blood of Jesus Christ has washed away your sins and you've received that by faith, God is going to look at you and he's not going to see your sins. He's going to see his son and he's kind of fond of his son and he's going to welcome you into heaven. But if that hasn't happened in your life, what happens is your sins will remain every one of them. And, and now when God looks at you and looks into your soul, he'll be able to see your sins. And your sins are not welcomed in heaven, and you won't get into heaven. And so, another misconception of heaven. So, again, let's, let's go. If you guys already turned with me, you're probably holding there, hopefully, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We're, we're going to get into this concept about heaven. Now, number one, I, I want to, again, the, the, heart of the, the title of today's message is Hearts on Heaven. Somebody say, Hearts on Heaven. So we want to keep our hearts focused on heaven. I did this a couple, a couple, uh, probably about a year ago, and I, I have an illustration that I do about eternity, and, and I've already done it, so I didn't bring it this morning. But I do that eternity rope. How many of you guys? Do you remember my eternity rope? Anybody see that? Several of you. Maybe some of you weren't here. I could have brought it today. Most of you didn't see it. It would have been fresh. But anyways, I take just a white rope, and and, and I and I put it in that room there, and I just bring it out. And I just say, pretend it's a white, it just goes on and on and on for all of eternity. It's a timeline. And then I take a little red pin and I draw just a little circle about the size of my fingernail on the end of that red rope. And then I draw a little black line, even smaller than that, at the end of the red rope. And so I have a little red piece and then a rope that goes on forever and ever and ever. And that's a timeline that represents your life. That little red piece represents the time that you'll spend on earth. The white part of the rope that just goes on and on and on for all of eternity represents your life in heaven. And, and the concept then is very, very easy at that point, right? We invest in that little tiny red part of the rope and we spend so much time worrying about what's going to happen in that little tiny time we spend here on earth. And I'm going to work really, really hard right here so that right here I can vacation and take it easy, retire and we spend all this energy and focus on that little tiny part of our life that, that's not there. And then that black line is when you die and you enter into eternity where you're going to spend all the rest of life and, and the things that you did here are going to store up treasures for you, as Jesus said, in heaven. And so the, the concept, the idea is that this life is an investment. Somebody say an investment. Investment in the one to come. Do you guys understand that concept? Because if you don't, we can't go on from here. We got to get this, all right, really quick. We got it? This life is a what? It's an investment in the one to come. And that's what's taught over and over again in the Word. And that's what I want to kind of point out today. And in order to understand that, and again, to keep it in the forefront, it's good just to be reminded of it. That's what our heart was for for you guys this morning, was just to remind you that, that our life, our eternity, our future is in heaven. You know, I have a friend, I use this example a lot, I know, but it just really helps me understand it and put it in perspective. 
I think I even shared it a couple weeks ago. We, we, I have a friend, his name is Jeremy Bear. He's a missionary that we support here who's from Ogden, Utah, who went to Hungary. And, and in Jeremy's circle of his family and his friends, there, there's, there's a lot of people that are not Christians. And so Jeremy went to them and he told them, hey, I'm moving. And he's got three kids, three small kids and a wife. He had a successful thing going on in Ogden, Utah. And he tells them, hey, I'm leaving here. I'm going to move my whole family to, to Europe, to Hungary. And, and, and there we're going to serve the Lord, um, discipling Bible college students in a Bible college over there. And the common question was, wow, that, that's a cool gig, man. How much are you going to get paid for that? And then he would say, well, I'm not going to get paid anything. I have to pay them to go. And people's face would just like, they're sucking on lemons. They'd get upset and twisted. And, oh, what do you mean? Like, just that concept itself to somebody who's not eternally minded, it makes no sense, right? Outside of God, outside of Christ, you're going to move your whole family to go work somewhere and serve in some foreign country, and you're going to pay them to do it. Like, it's crazy. The concept is crazy. But I'll tell you what, who's, who's not crazy? My friend Jeremy Bear is not crazy. Because that dude is sending up material to heaven. That dude is investing in a kingdom, in a place where he's going to spend all of eternity. And he's not worried about that little red part of the rope. He's worried about his life, his eternity in heaven with God. Now, when we think of the concept of heaven, I want you guys to think, you know, heaven is great. Somebody say heaven's great. That, there, that's such an understatement, right? There's just no words. I don't even know how to say it. Wonderful, great heaven is. I can sing the song again. You know, I don't want to bore you guys. I sing so bad anyways. I'm totally tone deaf. When Luke, where's Luke? There's Luke. When Luke was like, I don't know, he was just newborn. And I was in a newborn. He must have been like nine months, ten months old. And we're laying in bed one day and I'm singing to him, Jesus loves you. Jesus. And no kidding, from the mouth of babes, like 10 months old, he goes like this. <laughs> I was like, oh, I guess I shouldn't sing. So I haven't sang to Gabrielle yet or to any of the other boys after Luke, to, you know, told me, hey, you can't sing, man. But he- heaven is such a... All right, I just got to tell you the story. I don't know how else to illustrate it, but let, let's, let's, let's read this verse and then we'll get there. About the fact that heaven is going to be a paradise, a, a beyond imagination. L- listen to what it says in 1 Corinthians about heaven. I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Look at your neighbor and say, I has not seen. Now look at your other neighbor and say, ear has not heard. So the Bible says that, that eye has not seen, ear has not heard the things that God has prepared for those who love Him. In another place, the Word of God says that beyond what you can, listen to this, beyond what you can think or imagine, it's going to be greater. Heaven's going to be greater. So my, my pastor, when I was just brand new believer in Christ, I was saved about six months, and I was attending this Calvary Chapel Val Vista in Hemet, California. And a young pastor, and, and, and my pastor was illustrating this, and he gave this word picture that um, I just can't get out of my head, and it's totally foul. And it's totally wrong. And every time I think of it, I just think of this, I get this gross picture in my head. So I'm going to share it with you guys today so that you guys can have the same picture in your mind when you think about this that I do. But in, in talking about this idea that heaven is greater than anything you can think or imagine, now, what do you think about the human race? Do you think we're a pretty um, <clears throat> successful and genius? Do you think we're a pretty um, artistic group of people, the human race? Are we, a, are we a talented group of people? Could we come up with some really imaginative, amazing ideas of what a paradise might look like? I think of like Avatar. You guys remember the movie Avatar with the tall blue dudes? You know, like some of the concepts in Avatar are this idea of heaven that are pretty cool. When I was a kid, you know, we had these folders that were like peachy folders, except for they were, they were all decorated. And some artist had made these pictures of, of what a paradise would look like. And, and what was cool about them is there was always a river or some kind of water running through the middle of it. And it was done in such a way that everything was green and all paradisey and beautiful. And then you could see like through the water to the fish and what was going on under the water at the same time. It was the coolest like pictures of paradise. And so we have, as, as a people, we could come up with some pretty cool ideas and imaginations of what heaven will be like, of what, what paradise would look like. 
you know, I, I would, in Bible college, we would talk about this, and I would tell the students, yeah, when I'm in, when I'm in heaven, I'm going to grab a hold of a shooting star and ride it through the galaxy, and I'm going to swim in the ocean for, like, months and just check it out what it's like under the ocean. And then I read where there's no more sea there, so that's not going to work. But you get the idea, right? So anyways, my pastor, he said that if you, all that we can imagine with our human mind compared to heaven that those pictures and that imagination is like a booger. Do I need to describe the booger for you? So the best that we could do in all of our greatest imagination is a booger compared to what paradise and heaven will look like. And that doesn't even describe it because it's going to be so much better and so much greater than, than what heaven could be like. You know, sometimes they say for Christian people, you know, you Christians, you're so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. That's, a far, that's the farthest thing from the truth. You, you can't be any earthly good until your mind is on heaven. Amen? Somebody say, mind on heaven. I'll start preaching in a minute. You guys better keep up with me. All right, so this idea, this concept, it's biblical, it's repeated. Um, we, we could look at a couple more, but that, that heaven is an amazing place. So now let's turn with me, write that one down. And then let's go to, let's go to Colossians. I'm not sure which order I did this in in the last service, but let's, let's go to Colossians chapter three. Now, Colossians chapter three is a, is a, a, an entire concept of heaven. That's, that's eternally minded that we want to be eternally minded. We want to have our mind on heaven, focused on heaven as a reward, as a goal, as a place where we're going to spend. And the apostle Paul, this guy's like, Honestly, and, and I mean this in all sincerity, I really believe the Apostle Paul was the, the smartest man that's ever walked on the face of planet Earth besides the Lord Jesus Christ. That God used him in such a unique way and had such a unique call a, a, on his life. He wrote 13 books in the New Testament. He personally was trained by Jesus post-resurrection in, in his life and, and, and was such an important part. And this guy was deep. And he could explain anything and understand anything. And he knew and had the heart and the mind of God. And he was, you know, probably some crazy intellect, geeky looking dude uh, with big glasses and pocket protector and kind of how the Bible describes him, how history describes him anyways. But the cool thing about Paul is that as deep theologically as he could get, um, he still cared about practical application to our lives. And so in Colossians chapter 1 and 2, Paul's like laying out this theology, this doctrine. That, and, and, then, and then in chapter 3 of Colossians, Paul's like, so this is how you apply it to your life. This is what it means. You know, like Peter understood, you know, and Peter and Paul went back and forth just a little bit. And in Peter's epistle, in the end of the New Testament, Peter says, yeah, some of the things that Paul wrote, they're, they're kind of hard to understand. Like, I get it. Like, Paul's, Paul can be hard to understand. But with the Apostle Paul, he, he cares about the practical. And so now we come to chapter three of Colossians and he, and he laid out all this stuff. And now he's going to give us the practical application. He says, if then, and that word, if in the Greek, it, it's, it, it can also mean, or basically we could be translated since it's not if as in maybe, or if one way or the other, it's, it's already a done deal since then you were raised with Christ. Seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Verse number two, you guys with me? Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. For Christ who is our life appears, then you also will appear with him in joy. So verse 2, set your mind on things above. So God wants us, the Bible tells us through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, to set our mind on things above. And how easy is it to get our mind on things here and today? What are you guys doing today after church? You got plans, chores. Hopefully it's Sunday and you guys plan a day just to take it easy and let the problems and the chores and the stuff make it, you know, till tomorrow. They'll still be here tomorrow. All the wives are looking at me like, you bum, I have honeydews today. He, don't tell my husband he gets to go home and do nothing. Take a day of rest. Enjoy today. Tomorrow the problems will be there. But keeping our mind, you know, it's, it's a battle every day, you guys. 
It's a battle every day, every day, every day. But if we can get in that battle, if I can just encourage you a little bit today to, to walk your Christian life out and, and just be reminded that heaven's a goal. Maybe you're having a bad day and, and remind yourself, heaven is, heaven is a real place. Heaven is a place where I'm going to be and keeping that eternal perspective. Maybe you're having a hard time making a decision where to invest or what to do with your time or your money. Make an investment into God's kingdom. Make an investment into what it is that God has. All right, let's turn to Matthew. And, and so I'm jumping around a little bit. We're getting him from Paul. We're going to get him from Jesus. But Matthew chapter 6, there's a couple important concepts about heaven. Okay, this next one that Jesus lays out, it's going to get off topic of heaven just a little bit and get into a works um, um, doctrine. So I don't want to lose anybody, but I want you to follow with me and we're, going to, we're just going to go through it. But it does pertain specifically to heaven. In chapter 6 of Matthew, in verse number 19... Jesus said, Jesus talking, words in red, right? Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So Jesus lays out for us in the Sermon on the Mount this concept of storing up for yourself treasures in heaven. Now, if Jesus tells you to store up for yourself treasures in heaven, it might be a good idea if you store up for yourself treasures where? In heaven, right? Store up for yourself treasures in heaven. Jesus laid this concept out. And it's, and it's a way where he wants you to, you know, be greedy on that part and, and do the work and invest in that. And Jesus said, store up for yourself treasures in heaven where, where thieves don't break in and steal, rust don't destroy, and moths don't, well, what does a moth do? Do whatever they do. Moths don't, I don't know about you moth people, but I've never had a moth eat my clothes before. That must be, I think that's like a, I think that's an old wives' tale that moths get in your closet and eat your clothes. And you guys have got a bunch of mothballs in your closet. I think you're crazy, but anyways, Jesus, I guess I shouldn't, Jesus, Jesus mentioned the moths. So I guess there's, I, I guess there's gotta be something to it, right? Because Jesus mentioned it. I've just never experienced it. But he says to store up for yourself treasures in heaven. So let me give you just a, a concept of how that could work. Th- this is the idea of works. This is what your works are. You, your works are you came to VBS last Monday and Tuesday. And, and there was a little guy who came from a broken home who was brought by somebody, some other kid. And, and during the Bible study, he began to cry and you pulled him aside and you prayed for him and you said, do you want to receive Jesus in your life as your Lord and Savior? And you gave him hope and he, and he surrendered and asked Jesus in his heart as a young guy. That, that's that's a, a treasure that you just sent up to heaven. And so Jesus is going to go on and he's going to say, hey, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. And then he said, send up yourself. And he said, there's mansions and we're building. And so there's a reward that you're going to get in heaven. Jesus is there preparing. So leading that that kid to Christ at VBS, you just sent up a bunch of two-by-fours for your house. You, you, you do something. You, you, you go and you serve the Lord. You spend time with Jesus. You invest in God's kingdom in a multitude of different ways. You know what they are. As you invest in God's kingdom, you just sent up a door. You just sent up roofing material. You just sent up some cool stuff for the backyard. Here's some tiles for the pool. So again, when, when, when the bus driver gets the shack and the, or gets the mansion and the preacher gets the shack, the, that's a joke. But the, the idea or the concept is biblical. There is a reward, and, 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 and that's, that's what works are. Works have nothing to do with, with whether you get in heaven or not. They have to do with what, what reward you get when you get there, and that's biblical. Okay, amen? You follow that? Okay, concept is not... Um, works today. I don't want to get twisted on works. We're talking about heaven. Our mess title of the message today is what? Hearts on hearts on heaven. One more Jesus same chapter verse chapter 6 verse 33. It says, "But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself." 
sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So this basic concept, you guys should know this. You should um, counsel your friends with this when they come to you and say, hey, I, I need some advice. Just keep this one in your back pocket. It's good for every situation. It's helpful. And just tell people, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Um, C.S. Lewis, he said, if you aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. If you aim at the earth, you'll get neither. And so keeping our minds focused on heaven, heaven, heaven. Let's go, let's go to another one in, um, in second Corinthians now in chapter five. Hey, there's so many guys. I, I obviously I can't hit them all, but but this this next one again, and and I'm hoping I'm trying to keep the the one nail. I'm trying to hammer one nail. I know we're jumping off a little bit, but the one nail that I, I really want to hammer today with you guys is this: keep your hearts on heaven, having an eternal perspective, seeing this life as an investment in the one to come. So just like in Colossians chapter three, that concept is taught. Here it's taught again um, in, in a little different way in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. You guys there yet? 2 Corinthians chapter 5. For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed with our habitation which is from heaven. If indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we who are in this, anybody? Tent, tabernacle or tent, grown, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed that mortality may be swallowed up with life. So here, um, the Apostle Paul says that we, what, what we have now, and I love this comparison, he says it's like a tent. And so your body, your life here on the earth is a tent. How many of you guys like to go camping? Anybody? How many of you guys, have, do any of you guys tent camp? A couple of you? I, I could uh, never get my wife tent camping. But um, we, when, actually when we first started out, we first got married, we did have this, I paid like 400 bucks for it and it was beat up and it was old and put a little TLC in it. But it's how we got in the game because we, everybody that, you know, in our circle of friends and family, everybody had fifth wheels and trailers and was camping and we're newly married. And so, you know, we'd camp at the beach for a week every summer and it was so much fun, such great memories camping. But when we first started out, eventually we did get a fifth wheel. Um, when we first started out, we had this little pop-up trailer that I pulled behind our, behind uh, my, my minivan and, and it was beat up, you know, and, and, but every time we went camping and we, we pulled out this pop-up trailer, we had this really expensive painting in the house that, that someone had given me a family heirloom worth who knows what. And I would bring it and I would hang it in my, in my pop-up trailer. And, and I would take the tiles, the really expensive tiles out of the bathroom. And I put them in the kitchen, little kitchenette they had in it. And, and, and all the really expensive, nice jewelry that, that we had. And I would take it, I would decorate my tent with it. You guys are like, this dude is completely off his rocker. Of course I didn't do any of those things. That doesn't make any sense. Who takes, you know, very expensive things and decorates a tent? How many of you guys do that? How many of you guys take your, your most precious decorations out of your house and you, you bring them with you camping for the weekend? Does anybody do that? No, that, that's the concept here. Why not? Because that's temporary. We don't invest. We don't decorate. We don't spend so much energy to, to decorate something that we're going to be in for a weekend. It's temporary. But yet, you turn around and we live our lives in such a way that we hang our, our, our Van Goghs on our lives here on that little part of the red line and we spend so much time trying to decorate this life and not investing in the next. I don't own one of those paintings, by the way, but if I did, I can tell you I wouldn't put it in my tent. It would be in my living room, in my house, where I live. And, and, and the jewels that I don't own either, if I had those, they wouldn't decorate my tent, Right? They, they would be, you know, in the safe at the house or, or around my, my bride where they belong. And so those things that are valuable to us are what's eternal. And so Paul says that, that, that this life is, is a tent. And yet we spend so much time, so much energy, so much investing in, in a tent. It doesn't make any sense. 
And so the concept is to keep your heart on heaven, keep your eyes focused on what's eternal, and investing in eternal things like my buddy um, um, Jeremy did. You know, one of my favorite true stories uh, about this idea of hearts on heaven and and that this, this life is a pilgrimage and it's not our home, that we're just passing through. Somebody say passing through. That's another concept in the Bible that's used, that we're just passing through. We're not of this world. And, and, and there's a true story, and I don't know all the details of it, so don't quote me on the whole story, but the concept of it's true. There's a missionary who was in Africa with his wife, and they went there, and like Jeremy, in a much worse situation, hut-style ministry in a rough place in Africa, were there serving the Lord faithfully for a large part of their lives. Later in their lives, they were, they were getting old, and they were going to come home and retire back and, and, and come back to the United States. So they, they, they were on a boat that was coming home from, from Africa. And it so happened that on their same boat was President Roosevelt. And Roosevelt had been in Africa for three weeks on a hunting um, expedition. And he had shot who knows how many animals while he was there. But every day he shot a different species or two of animals and, and was on this, this hunting expedition in Africa. As the boat got back to shore... But they had arranged this ticker tape style parade to welcome President Roosevelt home. I mean, it was it was Disneyland and all that. And it was first class, top notch to welcome the president home from his hunting trip. The, the missionary and his wife who were there, the husband began to get depressed by the whole scene and was pretty bummed out. And he said to his wife, you know, he said, we, we've served God faithfully as missionaries in Africa for the last 25 years. We didn't ask for nothing. And, you know, and this guy's been hunting for three weeks, killing animals. And this is the kind of welcome that he gets. And he gets welcomed home with this parade. And nobody even knows that we're home. And his wife looked at him and she said, honey, we're not home yet. And there will be a parade for him for sure. There will be in his real home because his home is heaven. And our homes are heaven. We're passing through. This is this is temporary. This is the closest, if you're going to heaven, this is the closest to hell you'll ever get. And if you're not going to heaven, this is the closest to heaven you'll ever get. I hope it's not a heaven for any of us. That, that we have our hearts and our lives right with Jesus Christ. We've made our peace with God. We, we, we have forgiveness and we're Christ followers. And, and not only that, just so we get to go to heaven and not to hell. Because one of the things, the next concept that I want to introduce you to through this process is the, the reality of heaven that makes it great is the fact that, that Jesus is there. All right, let's do, let's do one more. Uh, let's go to Revelation now. Let's go to the big one. In Revelation chapter 21. Actually, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I missed one. I, I got to do this one before we go on. John chapter 14. Hold your finger in Revelation. I'll be right there. John chapter 14. Uh, you, you can't really do a study on heaven without just, just John chapter 14. In John chapter 14, to set it up really quickly, this is the worst day of the disciples' lives. Jesus is hours from dying on a cross, and, and his disciples are starting to catch the, the, the brunt and the concept that things are falling apart. In order to encourage his disciples, Jesus comes to them, and he says to them, on the worst day of their lives, this is what Jesus tells them in John chapter 14, in verse number 1. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And so the first thing that Jesus tells the disciples to encourage them is about believing. And if you, if you want to go to heaven, I'm sorry, but the concept is very simple. It's about believing in Jesus. And, and the simplest form that you can put it in, in the Bible, in several places, the Apostle Paul says, trust and believe on the Lord Jesus and you shall be saved. It doesn't get more simple than that. And we complicate it. Trust and believe on the Lord Jesus and you shall be saved. Jesus himself said when the Pharisees came to him and said, what must we do to do the work of God? Work. Jesus said the work of God is to believe in the son whom he sent. And so the first thing that Jesus does is he establishes believe about getting to heaven. And then he, to encourage them, he tells them about heaven. And this is what he says. In verse 2, it says, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. 
I go to prepare a place for you. And so first of all, we have three words, three concepts, house, and then mansions, and then prepare a place for you. So the first one is, Jesus said, in my father's house. So you think of the father's house are many mansions. That, that term mansions is, is not really easy to understand, or it's not really a good translation because it doesn't make any sense, right? How many mansions do you guys have inside of your house? None. A mansion should be bigger than a house. But a, so the, the idea of mansion is a, is a dwelling place. It's, some, some have said it's, it's more the concept of your um, glorified body, that when your body changes to its eternal state, that it becomes glorified. But the idea of having a, a place or a mansion that you'll live in is biblical. And we're going to read the next place we're going to go to is Revelation. And we're going to get the only um, physical description of, of heaven that the Bible gives us. But Jesus talks about this concept, this idea that, that he's preparing a place for us. Somebody said that God created the heaven and the earth in six days. And Jesus has been how long since he died on the cross? 2,000 years preparing a place for you. What do you think it's going to look like? If he built this in six days, what, what is he going to do with the time and the material that we're sending up for the last 2,000 years of, of preparing? All right, let's get Revelation. So in Revelation 21, we have really one of the only um, descriptions that we get of, of heaven in the Bible. You know, the Bible doesn't tell us a ton about a physical description of heaven. If we really knew how awesome heaven was going to be in a description, we'd all jump off a bridge to get there. Um, but, but we don't get it. You know, I've heard, have you guys ever heard somebody say like, I hear pastors say this often. The Apostle Paul, because the Apostle Paul says that, that he said, I had an experience. He was stoned and he died. And he says, whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know. But I, I had an experience in heaven. And he said, the things that I heard while I was in heaven, would be unlawful for me to try to repeat them. And so the Lord wasn't done with Paul, and whether he was totally dead or mostly dead, the Paul tells us that he had an experience where he was caught up into the third heaven. Now, just a side note, I don't know why it matters, but you always hear people quote that verse, and they say the things that, that Paul saw were too would be unlawful for me to repeat. But technically, if you read it, and I don't know why I want to split hairs on this one, but it bugs me to hear people say the things that Paul saw, because if you read it, has nothing, he never mentions his eyes. He only mentions his ears. And Paul says, the things that I heard would be unlawful for me to try to repeat them because they were so grand. And so people will quote Paul on that. And pastors will say, well, you know, any of those people that have those movies or they write those books, heaven is for real. Well, how, how, you know, the apostle Paul couldn't repeat what he saw, but you can. So it must be fake what you're doing. It must be, a, you know, can't be true. I'm not one of those guys. I don't feel that way at all. Because really, if we're keeping it consistent, the John, he was in heaven and had an experience of heaven. And he did tell us what he saw. He did. He was able to share. And so I don't think that you, you know, and some of those things, one of those guys came out recently in the last year, I think the one that came out, and he said, hey, I lied. I never went to heaven. I made it up. I made a bunch of money. And so I put a black eye on the rest of them. And whether the, the rest of them are real or not, it don't matter. I, I don't, pers- I, the one about the little boy, heaven is for real. I like that one. I, th- I thought it was kind of cool. I thought some of the things that, that happened in it were, sounded pretty legit. And some things that he knew. And, and the fact that God could show somebody or somebody could have a glimpse into heaven and, and, and be able to share about it. I don't think that you can make a case biblically that because of what Paul said that you could never do that. And here we're going to have John's giving us a physical description. Now I'm going to lay out for you. Am I talking really, really fast today? I got a lot to cover. And I'm like, let's take a drink of water and slow down for a minute. I'm trying to slow down, but I want to finish. All right. So la- last thing we're going to finish here in Revelation. So let, let's read it first. 21 it says, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and also there was no more sea. Somebody say, New heaven, new earth. Okay, and then verse 2 And I saw, I, and then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem. Somebody say, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. So John here now, now in order to set this up, look, look at chapter 20 of Revelation, right where we are. and Read the last two verses of 20. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. 
This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So we have the eternal, the the great divide here between Revelation chapter 20 and 21. This is the final deal. This is after Jesus' return. This is after the seven-year tribulation period. This is after the battle of Armageddon. This is after the thousand-year millennial reign of Christ. This is after Satan's last and final rebellion. And Satan and everybody's name who's not written in the book of life is cast into eternal hell and separated from God eternally. That's where we are right here between 20 and 21. So that's the wrong way. So then on this side of it, John says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. So the earth that we stand on now, the heavens that we see, the universe, the galaxy, all gone. God's going to start all over. Three three things are mentioned. A new heaven, a new earth, and a new what? Jerusalem. And then we're going to get a physical description. And you could do the math of this, but it's a city. And I believe that this city is going to sit between the earth or on the earth and heaven. And you have heaven and you have the earth and you have new Jerusalem. Because God said he's going to make all three new. All three are going to be present. And, and, and yet we get this physical description of a, of a cube. And you can do the math on it. The base level of the cube that's, that's mentioned, you can read it um, in the rest of 21, where they give us a, an actual description of the size and the measurements it's about a third, uh, three quarters of the United States. So it's like Colorado to Maine to New York, or Florida to, to New York, up and around. It would, if you laid it on top of the United States, it would cover about three quarters of the United States, the ground floor. And then, and then it says that it has 12 foundations or 12 levels. And then the size of each level and the height that it's mentioned. And so this city, New Jerusalem, when you do the math, it's astronomical the size of it is. It says that if there's 3 billion people, every person would have 64 acres. So how big is your house now? I think I'm on like a third acre, a quarter acre probably. I got a house. I could touch the houses on either side of me. 64 acres. You think you could build something, a mansion on there that, that's livable? And that's just within the city. And, and then you still have heaven and earth beyond that that you know you could travel to or go out to. And again... This is just kind of my idea of the way I understand this. Don't don't quote me on all this stuff because I has not seen nor ear heard the things that God has prepared for us. And so um, just just on the description of what it's like, some of the things that that the Bible does lay out for us here is that it it has streets paved of what gold know that there's a river in it and it's a river of life. There's a tree in it that produces, it tells us there's a tree that produces 12 different fruits, each one in its, in its month or in its season. How many of you guys in your backyard have an have a orange tree that, that, that produces oranges in July, apples in August, peaches in, what's after August? September. And so this tree, that, that just this concept in itself is, is, is pretty mind-blowing let's let's look at we're in chapter 21 let's look at verse number 11 having the actually let's go to nine i'm sorry then one of the seven angels who had seven bowls filled with the seven last plagues came to me and talked to me and saying come i will show you the bride the lamb's wife And he carried me away in the spirit, a great and high mountain, and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. Now, just that that idea, underline the glory of God. So heaven has the glory of God. We sang a song today about great is the glory and great is the glory of God. And and heaven has God's glory in it. That should just be enough right there. Spent the last hour trying to blow your mind a little bit with the idea of how heaven is awesome heaven's going to be. But just this one idea that heaven is and has in it the glory and the majesty of the creator of the heavens and the earth is, is enough that God's there. And ultimately, you guys, the splendor and the glory of heaven is that Jesus is there. Amen? You know, all, all the paved streets of gold and the river of life and the mansions and the traveling in the new heaven and the new earth that we get to explore. I can only imagine what a, what a, what a new earth is going to look like that, that Jesus has been, been preparing and creating. I mean, this, this one has some pretty cool stuff in it, huh? 
and to have one that God's been creating and, and what an ama- amazing place it's going to be. So we're going to close and I, I want to just, again, remind you. I talked fast today because there's a lot to cover, but this is what I want you to hear today. Keep your hearts on heaven. It'll help your walk today. I, I want to read, you guys can close your Bibles if you want, but I'll, I'll just, I'm going to read one more section to you. It's in, in chapter 22. It says, And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me, to give to everyone according to his work. So Jesus said, I'm bringing a reward, and the reward is going to be based on your what? Your work. So, so, so your reward is based on your work. We already talked about that. He said, I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are those who do his commandments, and they, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates of the city. Listen, but outside are dogs and sorcerers, sexually immoral and murderers, idolaters, and whoever loves and practices a lie. This, this list, as a reminder for those who don't get into heaven, is repeated in the New Testament multiple times. And it's like, I don't even want to read it because it's like we're excited and we're reading about heaven and and glory. But then right there in the same place, Jesus himself, in the last verse, in the last chapter of the Bible, thinks it's important to mention, but hey, those that do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Over in Colossians, where I just was, Paul is talking about heaven. And then right after that, guess what you find? This same list as a reminder of those that practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So not, not, not because I want to, but because the Holy Spirit organized it and laid it out that way. But as a reminder that, yes, heaven is a wonderful place filled with glory and grace. And we want to keep our mind on heaven. But in order to understand this concept that our minds are on heaven, right now, what's the reality? Our feet is on, is on where? Our feet's on the earth. We still got bills. I still got diapers to change. Or my wife's got diapers to change. And, and life still goes on. And so, yeah, our minds are to be in heaven. But in the meantime, this is how we're to walk. This is where we're to walk. This is the focus that we're to have. Amen? So keep your feet on the ground. Keep, keep your mind, your heart in heaven and focused on heaven. And let it encourage you today. Let it encourage you that, that our destination is a wonderful, wonderful place. Amen? Let's stand. We want to um, close with a song of worship. So we want to have the worship team come up and close us in a song. And uh, we, we want to pray for you guys too, individually. And if um, Shane and Abby are going to be up front, uh, up front to pray for you guys today. If anybody would like individual or need individual prayer, then uh, we invite you guys to come up and, uh, and receive prayer for that. And uh, let's, uh, let's, let's pray together. Dear Lord Jesus, we come before you. We thank you, Father, so much for Lord, this idea, this concept of heaven. And Father, we, we thank you that, um, Lord, you tell us over and over and over again to have an eternal perspective, that we're not of this world, to, that this, this is just a tent, that we're passing by, that we're not of this world, that over and over again, Lord, this idea is reminded to us about heaven. And you talked about heaven often. And so, Lord, help us today just to put heaven in our hearts and in our minds. And, Lord, to, to know and, and to be encouraged that one day we get to go to heaven. And, Lord, when we face discouragement or hard things, to, to just close our eyes and our mind. And, and Lord, just focus on, on what's coming and what's eternal. I pray, Jesus, if there's anybody in here whose name is not written in the Lamb's Book of Life, Lord, that today that they would make a decision to believe in Jesus Christ so that their names would be written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And Lord, that we would get our hearts and our lives right with you. Lord, if we're struggling with any of those sins that are listed in those lists, that this morning, Jesus, we would lay those at your feet and repent, God. And Father, that you would pour out your Holy Spirit upon this place as we close with the last song, as we worship you from our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.